We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernane. Joining us for this episode is Kevin McGreeskin. This is a recent interview we did alongside our new partnership with APFA, Association of Professional Football Analysts. On Fridays, typically, we jump on a webinar with a guest coach or a guest analyst and we talk about a specific topic. Kevin's specific topic is one of the biggest talking points in youth development at the minute and that's scanning decision making kevin's one of the leading practitioners in this area he's written a brilliant book about it also has experience at youth senior pro levels he's developed a specific methodology which can increase scanning improve game awareness provide the players with the tools to make those better decisions there's two parts of the webinar there's the q a and then there's the presentation so i'm going to go through the q a and the, and the dialogue that i had with kevin i'm going to share that in this interview if you want to go and watch the full presentation which kevin has put together which i highly recommend doing please go ahead to apfa.io and you can find the full presentation you can watch it for free all you got to do is start up a free account and everything's free and there's a lot of content on there already. Highly recommend you check out what APFA are doing. Some brilliant, brilliant stuff and we're excited to team up with them. Also, massive thanks to everyone that's helped us get to 18,000 subscribers on YouTube this week. That was a goal to get to 20,000. We're almost there. Uh, please, if you haven't, go to YouTube, give us a subscribe, check out the video. There's a lot of content we're putting on there. There's a lot of content we're putting on modernsoccercoach.com. If you haven't checked out the new PDF that we're giving away, Mauricio Sari attack and throw in routines. There's six of them. We've written a blog on it. We've done a video on it. And we've got a free PDF, modernsoccercoach.com. And also check out YouTube, Modern Soccer Coach as well. Thank you so much for the support. Here is Kevin. Enjoy. Welcome, Kevin McGreeskin. Finally, we've been working on this for like 10 years. Hi. Getting you on. Delighted to have you, Kevin. Um, thanks so much for jumping on and talking about something that you are a real expert in. Really appreciate this. No problem at all. No problem at all. Looking forward to it. Like you say, uh, we've been chatting about this for a while. And we've got there. So I'm looking forward to this today. Cheers, Gary. Brilliant. Before we start, you're going to do a presentation and then I've got a few questions and then we'll we'll try and make it as interactive as possible. Obviously, massive thanks to APFA. We'll put a we'll put an offer during this into APFA for the courses. We'll also put an offer up for Kevin's books. Uh, he's given us kindly given us a discount on that there today. So I urge you to to support it and take advantage of it. Um, before we start, my question for you: We scanning now is talked about so much, and and it's a big big part of. Thankfully, it's a big big part of youth programmings and and coaching community discussions. You, you've been on this train for a long, long time. When did you get started on it and, and what was the kind of inspiration or the journey behind that? Oh, I mean, I've, I've started 20-odd years ago in this. I mean, <clears throat> um, 
<laughs> the way it started, I was just, I'm just like any other coach, Gary, and I had my exercises and I was, and I think I was, I was doing a drill, you know, and, and we could get into the whole day, debate about blocked and uh, random variable practice, etc. But I, I was doing a drill and I kept on asking the players to have a look, make sure that they check their shoulders, you know, all that terminology that we're all familiar with and they'd maybe do it once or twice and then slump back into their habits and... That was another thing that lost caused me to lose my hair. I was pulling my hair out with that, trying to figure out, you know, how to get them to have a look. And then I just came up with an idea to players starting to hold up cones at certain times to force players to scan, even in drills. Um, and so that was the very early embryonic stage. And, and then I obviously expanded, developed it, enhanced it, the ideas. But I saw that I could apply them, whether it was... Uh, a drill, a uh, dynamic exercise, which is the terminology I use for a playing area with the players inside it, but they've got freedom to move about, uh, or opposed practices and how to incorporate these things in, because I just felt players didn't look about enough. They didn't scan enough. You know, we just say looking about back then. <laughs> um, but um, so I figured, you know, how could I incorporate constraints into the exercises that already used to increase the amount of scanning that players did and try and help them develop it as a habit of how they moved about the pitch and, and part of their receiving skills. I've been doing that for a while and then I started working, you know, and I worked with different clubs and uh, went and did sessions for their academies or first team levels, in different countries, and then started working a lot with the Irish FA in 2009. Um, on the B license, A license, and Pro license courses, so we incorporated this to a huge extent. Way back then, you know, two thousand and nine, you know, fourteen years ago, mm. um, and going over there every summer, talking to, you know, present to top class, you know, coaches at the very top end of the game and coaches that are working at grassroots level and everywhere in between. And just putting the ideas across and and sharing them as a as a discussion point and to provoke thought. So so it was that, that that's kind of me my journey summed up. But yeah, brilliant. Just like brilliant. coach like any other. Fantastic, fantastic. All right. Um, do you want to go with the presentation um, and then, and then whenever you're ready to go, just give me a shout. Okay, coaches, this is the segment of the webinar where Kevin done his presentation. If you would like to watch it, please check it out. I've got it on the link below in the podcast notes. Also, apfa.io, full presentation is available for free. Please check it out there. And then I take some questions afterwards with, uh, with the coaches who were in attendance. Here they are. Kevin, that was fantastic. You've done a great job there going into the theory and the, the science behind it and then also then the, the practical element of it. The, the question I would have is, we talk a lot about it as a community today, about building upwards and, and rightly so impacting young kids, impacting youth age groups. I want to ask you a question about how to make a difference or impact an older age group. You know, we've got a wide range of coaches here, college, senior level. You're working with a player who's 16 to 18 or in their 20s who maybe is struggling to this. How hard is it or, or where would you advise the challenges of almost reprogramming or improving them when they've developed some bad habits? Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. in an ideal world, you start at the, 
the younger stages to encourage them to do this. So that's the habits that they take with them. When players or anybody have already got bad habits, you need to break the bad habits and reinstall the new habits. But when you're on about working with, I've went into professional clubs, senior first team football, Partick Thistle, Dundee United. We implemented this, you know, and thankfully Jackie was really open-minded. Um, Jackie McNamara, he was really open-minded about introducing this and, and incorporating it as a key part of what we did. We did this every day, you know, um, to start with the first, the first few sessions, the first uh, couple of weeks, the whole session was made up by exercises with this until we got it to a stage where we used it as a, a 20, 25 minute warm-up. That, that went from maybe a dynamic exercise unopposed into an opposed practice within that 20 minute space. Um, sometimes we do drills as well, you know, you know, we'd mix it up for the players. Um, so we had a player, so we had a player at Partick Thistle um, that, you know, he started, he was, he was a right back and, uh, you know, and, he was a solid right back, decent enough player, but you know, it was a question was he going to stay at the club? Was he going to stay at the club? Um, and we worked with him. He ended up, you know, to start with, he wasn't keen on these exercises. You know, it took him way out of his comfort zone, but he kept going at it, kept going at it, worked hard, credit to him. Ended up moving him from right back into centre midfield, right? And he became a playmaker in centre midfield. Because he had the technical ability. What it was that he, he just didn't look about enough. And this, this is what Gear talks about. You know, that this is the gateway. This is the thing that, that maybe unlocks them to be able to really use all their technical ability that they've got available to them. And <clears throat> he then became a playmate getting the ball, switching at great passes. Um, he then became, when we moved to Dundee United, Jackie, he was his first signing. He took him for part of this with Dundee United, and then he went to play international football. And that isn't based on this alone. This is, like I say, he already had technical components, but this helped add something to his game that helped him become more effective. And the great thing about it, you went for seeing his struggles early doors to getting a bit competent in it, to improving. And then in the second season at Thistle, the new players that came in, he's actually in the session coaching the new players on what to do, talking them through it. Think about this, not do that. Look at, look here, think. So it was great. His progress was fantastic. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. So and and to me, it's actually just as important to be doing things like this every day at first team level because you need to maintain the habits that they should have. But as Gears research shows, even at the top level, there's a range of scanning frequency. So we're maybe never going to get anybody up to Xavi's level of scanning, but how close can we get them there? Can we get them from a low, low frequency scanner to become a high frequency scanner or as close to that as possible, which can then impact on their effectiveness? So whatever age groups you're working at, you can have an impact. Um, what you find at professional level is you can move on with progressions more quickly with them because they've already got a solid technical base. What other areas or groups that you might be working with, their technical base might not be quite so high. So hopefully that answers it. <laughs> yeah, do, do you think there's, there's a little bit of a challenge when you say that about the technical base? Sometimes as coaches that we, we feel that we have to grow a technical base and then add the tactical and then add and tear it when really we should be challenging the Roll the technical alongside perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and totally. And and this is where you know I've had coaches say to me, you know, um, I remember one coach said, "Well, Kevin, I, I don't really know if we need awareness specific sessions, right?" And I go back to, well, how important do you think decision making is? And they say, well, it's a 10. Well, scanning directly impacts your quality of decision making. So, so one, if you think decision making is important, maybe we should have awareness specific sessions. But then I, I go, but what's awareness specific about any of the exercises I've just shown you? Because they're all football exercises. I'm just adding an extra constraints to really enhance the amount of scanning that's required to help them develop a, a habit or help them maintain a habit. And and like you say, it becomes a holistic process then because they still need to be in these exercises technically proficient with the ball when there's opposition or even how you structure an unopposed exercise can have tactical components in there, um, right? So they're all still in there, but they're needing to scan more than they've ever been asked to before. And then obviously the physical components in there. So I say, what's awareness specific? It's it's a football exercise. All the elements of football are in there. I'm just adding in a constraint that forces them to scan more than they would normally be asked to, back to that graph of the amount of scan required in rondos, passing drills, small-sided games, possession games. They're not high enough to develop a high enough habit or a high enough threshold for a good quality habit. So what can we do as coaches to manipulate the exercises we currently use? Because they're good exercises. It's not that they're bad, but just to help the, the players scan more. When I put my analyst hat on then and say, all right, well, the, the clip on Lampard, love it, love that there, just, just brilliant. When you're looking then at a game and you're going through it as an analyst and you're clipping it or coding it, are there some things that you can do to, to maybe create processes around evaluating. And I really like that. You said don't put execution and decision-making in the same, like look at them independently. What's your advice around that there? Or, or how, do, how can we find it? Well, well, and again, what we've got to go at, right, we're going to isolate the scanning habit and identify the scanning habit first, you know, because we could then get into the whole, what was the player looking at? Um, uh, what action did he say, decide to, or what decision did he decide on, or what game action did she decide to execute? So, it, you know, it, it, that becomes a really convoluted. So straight away, we break it down. Did the player scan beforehand? And so just look at that as your starting point. And then you could build from there because if they're not scanning, they've got nothing to make a decision based on. Okay, so, and again, the very simplest one that you can do is, do they have that gear calls at the critical scan? I've got to check again in my thing. And do they have one last look as the ball is on its way, right? So you can see that. You you have them in shot normally and, and on any piece of software or video film. They're receiving the ball. So as the ball is has left your foot and it's coming into me, do I look away from the ball while that ball is traveling? So there's a measurement straight away. Do they do critical scans and how often do they do, they do every time they're receivable? And I understand there is, do they have time to even do it? Because what's the pressure they're under? How fast is the ball coming? Again, you as a coach can decide what you're going to include, how you take that out of the data, etc. But there you go. 
But importantly, as I've said, that critical scan cannot be the first time they've looked. So you need to then go, right, do we have them in picture long enough that we could look before that critical scan? How often did they look about even before they received the bolt? Right. So um, did they look zero times before that pass was played to them? But they did look at the critical scan. Well, well done on the critical scan. But that was the first time you looked about. How could you possibly make a good decision if the first time you look about is only ever when the ball is on its way to you? So there's simple metrics straight away that you could code into your thing and say, right, OK, they've received a pass, boom, critical scan, great. And then you could build back before that. Did they do any scanning before pre-scanning as such? So simple metrics that you could put in. And then once you've done that, you can provide that as direct feedback to your players. Brilliant. Um, yeah, a couple of key questions coming, coaches. Brian's raving about your book. Chris has bought it, so brilliant. The links are on there and the, the code is on there as well. Um, alongside that, then, whenever you go into these federations, then, Kevin, and you go into these clubs, where is the biggest opportunity for growth? You mentioned there about analysis. Is it in the post-process? Is it in the exercises? Is it in the individual players? Like, What's the first thing you look at when you go into a club? I look at the exercises they use, to be honest with you. But, and, and, you know, and th this is where, where um, the amount of data that's available and the quality of data and the usefulness of it has improved dramatically over the years, as, as we all know. So can we use that to enhance the feedback to the players, both from training sessions and from games itself? So... I like to video training sessions as well and, and give players feedback in, on that, you know, for the same things. You know, are you doing your critical scans? Are, um, are you are you looking at pre-scanning beforehand? You know, what's your body shape? Like? Are you pre-scanning so you can orientate yourself? Right? You know, so all feeds into each other and how in detail and in depth you want to take that process is, is up to the coach and the resources and time that they've got available to commit to this. So... Um, I think me, though, I, I just look at the sessions. And a lot of the time, I look at the sessions, and I love it when I see a session for the first time, and I go, you know, we're all using similar stuff, right? We've all got similar sessions. Let's say they're part of your coaching, the coaching toolkit, possession games, um, small-sided games, passing and receiving drills, rondos, right? Uh, so... I love it when I see a new exercise I've never seen before, or whether it's a passing drill or, or any other type of exercise and going, right, I could see that. I go, nah, how do I fit my stuff into force them scanning more? And that's what I love, you know, and I go, and that's not me saying my exercise is better. That's just how my brain works. I'm not saying my version of the exercise, or that 4v4 plus 3 is better than peps. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when I use a 4v4 plus 3, Addison, because I think I get increased value from, from that exercise, particularly the players I work with. So I love looking at the exercises. And then it's great to chat with the people, like you've said, how can we then get data to feedback to the players, you know, in performance and from training to see, and then you get to measure the, the progress, which, you know, is good. Do you see an increase? Do you see an increase in the percentage of times that they do a, a call it a critical scan in in the game when they're receiving a pass. And I'm using the term critical scan because that's the one that Gears put in has become the, the the one that a lot of people use. I call it check again, right? Um, 
So it doesn't matter again, the terminology don't matter, it's the understanding of the concept. So that feedback to the players is, is huge because now they've got something to measure themselves when engage their performance, engage their improvement. Um, so I think that's fantastic. And now all these, the cameras that you have at training grounds and at games, it's so much easier to do all that. You know, when Gear was doing his initial studies, he had to send people out with little camcorders and <laughs> to go and watch, follow basically one player a lot of the time. So they could measure that player or try and get the game, but the you know the quality of the video isn't the brilliant. So technology really helps with this stuff now. Great. But me, exercise, what exercises are you using and what habits is it promoting in the players? I think you mentioned uh, and wrote it down, so correct me if I'm wrong, you mentioned that you can get the habits or you can get benefits from unopposed work as well, and that's mm. Obviously, that's from that's a that's a, a lively topic on unopposed exercises don't work because they don't work on decision making. But can they work on decision making? Well, of, of course they can. Um, no, well, let, let's look a drill. A drill. Even in a drill, there's elements that you could put in that's decision making ish, right? But if we take it to the stuff I do. When you're calling it, you're doing a drill and you're calling it a colour. Now, what a lot of coaches get confused and they'll say, right, okay, when you spot the colour, the color, if it's red, do this. If it's yellow, do that. And then what the goal is, right, okay, we're working on decision-making here. And I'm, well, no, you're no, because you've told the player what to do, right? You've said, if it's red, do this. If it's yellow, do that. So there's no decision. They're following instructions still. You know, and we came up where we tell, well, assisted decision-making, right? So in, in, in a drill, it's a lot harder to get decision-making in there. But once you get in a dynamic environment, there's decision-making, you know, based on how am I going to position myself on the field in relation to, the, like, with my things. How am I going to position myself optimally now in relation to the balls and the player on the outside that I need to scan in relation to the teammates? When you look at that past the opposite colour exercise, now there's decision-making based on how far away should I be for the jokers. Now, they are opposition, but they're coming to tag you, so they're kind of acting like opposition, but not trying to win the ball. So now you're making decisions based on what's my spacing, spacing in relation to them. If they start closing me down too quickly, am I going to fit that last scan in, or do I just need to step in and take the ball? So there's elements of decision-making in there. Now, you could you can turn around... Anybody could go, oh, well, is that really game realistic? Well, of course it is. They're still playing football. And they go, well, what about the colours? They don't scan for colours. No, but they're no. People get too focused on my, in my exercise going about the colours. They get too focused on the colours. I say the important thing is here is they're scanning for players. And that's what they're going to do in the game. And ultimately in this, if you put them in a dynamic environment or an opposed environment, then you're getting closer and closer towards true game decision-making within there. So I understand what they're saying, but I still think there's bent. I think I go out and show drills, dynamic exercises, which are largely unopposed and opposed practices. Because it doesn't matter what we want to say about whether you should or shouldn't use drills. The way I approach it, when I'm delivering a coach education session, I know a lot of these coaches are using drills. So instead of me standing in front of them saying, bad coach, don't use drills. I say, okay, if you choose to use those as part of your coaching toolkit, how can we add layers to those drills to enhance what the, the benefits the players get out of that drill? Same way, dynamic exercise, same way, post practices. So I don't judge player people on 
what, how they coach. I go, okay, if that's how you're going to choose to coach, how can we add layers to make it an even more valuable 15 minutes spent in that exercise, whatever that exercise is? Yeah, that's been one of the takeaways for me for this is that you've, I think you've, you've done a really good job of that, that picture of, uh, what did you say? The, the limitations of exercises, there's, mm-hmm. there's limitations on everything. It's what you want to work at. Well, for when we're trying to wrap up here and coaches, if you have any final ones, throw them up. Uh, we'll let Kevin away. When you're, you know, that, that process of looking at exercises and the limitations, would that something that you would recommend a coach do? Almost go into their, their portfolio of exercises and, and maybe see what works and what doesn't? Yeah, yeah, because and, and, and then really evaluate it because like I didn't put it here, but one of the big exercises I use and everybody will know this, um, whatever you want to call it, I call it numbers, uh, sequence passing. So let's say players are in a group of five. One passes to two, two passes to three, three passes to four, four passes to five, five passes to one. Right. And normally in an area, uh, there's loads of ways I'll do this, but I'll make it really simple. I'll have two groups operating in an area, you can have three groups, whatever. In the passing sequence, everybody's always on the move and all mixed up. And we understand why we do that exercise, because if you're number one, what should you know before you get the ball? You should know where number two is, right? That's what we're meant, that's what's meant to happen. But coaches, go and evaluate that session, watch the players and watch how many times they don't know where number two is, right? They don't. They don't scan and they don't look as often as they should. Now, though, in the group, there'll be some players better than others, some have better habits. But whenever I've been with you, consistently see it, they don't look. When do they look? Afterwards. They'll get the ball, then they'll look, and then they'll pop it. And the thing is, the session keeps going. Why? Because number one does get the ball at number two, and number two does get the ball at number three. Number three gets the ball at number four. So as coach, you've got, oh, the session's working. But is it working? on what you want to get out of it. Because if they haven't scanned beforehand, you've actually allowed them to develop a bad habit, right? So, and we can say, all we want to remember to have a look, remember to have a look. So this is one of the sessions that I would say, remember to have a look. Maybe look the first and then they'd stop looking. What do I do, right? And basically it was put two cones in the player's hand, a red one and a yellow one, right? So now, I'm number one, you're number five, you've got the ball and you're passing it to me. As that ball was on its way to me, right, before my first touch, I need to look and call it what colour number two is holding up, right? Red. Now, that's forced me to look before I've got the ball to see where number two is. But the important thing is that's the critical scan. So I should have still scanned beforehand to prepare myself for that. So so as I'm moving around the area, where's number two? Because I'm going to need to call it the colour. He's holding up in a minute. All right, okay, there's the ball, there he is, there's the ball, there he is. Ball's on its way, red, right? So now, even by introducing that constraint, players generally improve their body shape to where's the ball come from, where they need to spot and send it next. And if the player isn't calling it the colour, I know they haven't looked. So there's reinforcement straight away as a coach. Do they look, don't they look? Or you see the player with that panic scanning, the ball's on its way to me for you, Gary, and it's there, and I'm going, oh, 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 where is he? Well, there's your problem. You didn't do all the looking beforehand to know where he was so you could do your critical scan effectively. So even a simple constraint like that in numbers or sequence passing, whatever you call it, reinforces scanning to a higher level than what you'll get for the basic game. Because if you're honest, when you go and really evaluate, just put the session on, stand back and watch your players. 
and watch how often they do, and more importantly, how often they do not scan before they get the ball. And you'll be surprised at how low the scanning, that critical scanning element is. And uh, the scanning beforehand, it all links into me. So even in a simple message like a session like that, you you really reveal players' true habits. Brilliant. Yeah, last one for me, Kevin. Uh, kind of alongside that then, as a coach, you've, you've different ways you see it. Sometimes you've got people that are just yelling, scan, 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 and, and some coaches are on top of it. But obviously, what you just said there, if you stand back and actually observe, well, that involves a coach being quiet and that observes. Like, is there a certain thing of coach behaviour that you would uh, suggest or advise whenever you're looking to get more scanning? Yeah, but well, I think like well, you, a lot of issues. The expression "check your shoulder, check your shoulder," uh, or "scan." No, these are only useful prompts if you've helped the player develop the habit. Right. Once they have the habit, it's like anything in the heat of the pressure in the moment, depending on the player, they might not be looking at it. Now, if you prompt them, oh, yeah, I need to look. And then obviously back to what I've said about depending on that player's position, depending on that player's role in the game will depend on what the key information to them is at that moment in time and where they should be scanning, who they should be looking for, what space they're trying to exploit, who they're looking after, etc. But so we need the habit developed first, right? So there's nothing the matter with giving a player a little prompt every now and again, and and to, but that prompt should be to help them trigger a habit that they've normally got, but maybe they've just switched off, or it might be a habit that they're still in the process of developing, and you skillfully have little interventions in the flow of the game, you know whether that's in the moment or as the plays went over the other side and they're running up here and say. What could you have done a wee bit better there? What what should you have done before you got should, should have scanned? Who should you have been looking for? Such as great. Think about that next thing. So doing that, but that can only be used to reinforce a habit that they've already got. If they haven't got the habit, what is it you're trying to cue them into suddenly triggering? And, 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 and so that's my thoughts. And again, I'm I'm not saying I'm right. That's just my opinion. You know, develop the habit first, and then as coaches, we can skillfully reinforce it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, one I overlook, question I overlook from, from Donat. Um, you probably get this a lot, Kevin. What what age would you introduce this with, with the, the young players? Um, well, me personally, the youngest players I have done a session with, in fact, it's changed now. I think I've, I've had somebody, uh, and that was just their level of development, I've had a four-year-old in a session. The most, uh, the, uh, as a group, um, seven, six, seven-year-olds, and I've had feedback of coaches that have worked with six-year-olds. Now, the elements is how you introduce it and the expectations that you've got as a coach of success. And this is where I feel that we've all done that. The four-year-old that I mentioned, did they get it right every time? No. Did, did, did they try it now and again? Aye. So that was success for me. You've introduced the concept and they've got the idea and they were getting it. Were they getting the timing quite right? No. Right. Did they look every time? No. But they got the idea where they're looking sometimes. Great. Were they thinking about this and thinking, brilliant. To me, that's success. They had a bit of fun on the way because they were doing a bit something a bit different. Now, with younger players, what you need to understand, or people, players that are less technically proficient, 
the technical component might drop while they're trying to now suddenly include this because before you only ever allowed them to focus on the ball as it was coming in. Now you're asking them, well, even as the ball's coming in, can you have a wee look away? So what you'll start seeing is a wee bit of miscontrol, oh, the ball go under the foot or bounce over the foot or whatever it may be. But don't let that stop the process. Allow them to enjoy that experience of you know, failure because that's part of the learning process, right? Um, and they'll slowly get this all coming together. Their body, they'll self-organize their bodies and get used to the time that they need with their body to get all this done at once. And they enjoy it and they have fun, fun with it. Um, so as young as possible, but just understand what success is. You can't really expect a six-year-old to do it every time and do it perfectly. If they manage to do it a few times, brilliant. That could be success for that player. I remember actually it was a 14, a 13-year-old with the Irish um, performance programme up in Coleraine. I went, went and did that and there was a player I'd been working with and we'd went through this whole session. We were right at the end, an hour we'd been in this session. And he, he just, he'd been struggling the whole session, right? And wasn't he doing it? And then right at the end of the session, boss come in. He's scanned, he's had a look, he's called that colour, he's passed the tennis ball off there, I had them touching their feet as well, boom, and he's controlled the ball away from the, the, the jokers, controlled it away and played a pass, and then he's like, ah, he's jumped up and gone, I did it, I did it, I did it! He was so excited, it was brilliant, Nigel Best was sitting there watching, he was smiling, it was great, he'd been trying his hardest and just getting, and finally clicked for him. Now that, that was that one moment, hey, it worked for him, but it's maybe... You know, it inspired them to think about, can I try and be better at this? And he got his level of success with one, and it was a bit of joy. So the amount of success is, as coach, what are your expectations? And sometimes that becomes the limiting factor in the session and how successful we can be, because 100% success is unattainable. Brilliant. Great way to finish it. Kevin, unbelievable. That was phenomenal. Um, a lot of great feedback on the chat about the presentation, so really appreciate you putting that together and sharing it. No, thank you. Thanks very much, Gary. I enjoy it. As you know, it's a passion of mine, so I enjoy chatting about it, and uh, I tend to waffle on a bit too long sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.